This is episode eight of Hoops Forum, a joint effort of Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined again this week by my co-host, Randy Sherman. As always, we want to thank our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're in the market for a team dealer, look no further than 323 Sports. Uniforms, team gear, spirit wear, sports equipment, they can do it all for your program. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, or you can get in contact with the sales rep, sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports team. Uh, let me go ahead and put this up, Randy. Today we're going to be talking zone offense tips. Several weeks ago we talked about uh, pressure man tips, and I, I just mentioned that simply because um, we this is something that you actually talk about frequently on social media. You even have the, the hashtag that goes along with it. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think I, I, I started that a long time ago, like really when I first got active sharing stuff on, on uh, basketball content on social media, I used – the hashtag and I, I tend to use hashtags every once in a while I'll use one as a joke or how people do, but I tend to use them actually how they're sort of supposed to be intended as sort of like an organizing tool. So if one was to click on zone offense tips, their feed would then be populated with things they can learn about zone offense. So, um, you know, and some other coaches jump on there and use it too, which I like also. So we always start with our poll and each week you can find this on the Twitter account. Randy and I both, put it up there um, this week, a lot of response. So we're hoping that that is a, a foretelling of the the responses that we'll get during the live show. And then also during the replays, but what do you run most often? I try to make sure that there's some sort of a prerequisite there when people select, because I know a lot of people will say, well, I, I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of this, but yeah. most often run was the key here against zone defenses, 15%, close to 15% with set plays. Mm -hmm. uh, close to 50% with patterns and then 36% with motion offense. You know, right. I, we had, we had a couple that talked about like, yes, I do run all three and right. for, for a lot, they may be doing that. Um, do, do you feel like one of those, well, what did you run? How, how did you kind of approach it, Randy, when you were coaching? I, I don't know which of these three categories I would put what I did most in. I feel like sometimes it's like the, the uh, situation maybe, yeah. or, you know, obviously yeah, I have just, a timeout. I would say I can clearly answer no to patterns. Um, I can clearly answer maybe to motion depending, but there's not much motion in what I did. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I use some set plays against zone, like after timeout or like, you know, if we're playing a team who's like a zone team, they play zone every game out, you know, uh, we know what we're getting. I might use a set play after a timeout or a dead ball start to a possession or something to, to, but I, I wouldn't. I don't think I would be able to accurately place what I tended to do in either of those. I would guess that as some look at this, like they think like patterns as yes, we do like certain actions against it that are kind of like repeating actions, but yeah, not yeah. necessarily like motion offense. So I sure see a lot of that in in when I watch the the, the game, at, you know, at all levels with with the coaches I help. So yeah, that that, that that probably sh the, the the winner of the poll here reflects kind of what I would think. Yeah. I see just judging on my anecdotal observations. So, so let me start with this then the number one reason why some coaches, because we had somebody reply with this, but like the number one reason why some coaches have poor, if you were to ask them and maybe they're judging themselves too harshly, but they either have poor zone offense philosophy or no zone offense philosophy. I, I hear sometimes, I, and I know you can't actually have no philosophy because even yeah. philosophy is a philosophy but right. like they're just like well we just move the ball and sometimes it almost sounds too easy and maybe that maybe their teams do have success but i've tried that yeah. it doesn't doesn't necessarily work but what would you say 
maybe number one reason or primary reasons why some coaches have poor zone offense philosophy. So you're going to do the thing to me you do in the poll and make me say one thing, <laughs> right? Instead of like a couple of inputs. I know the main, reason, the, 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 the main reason why a lot of teams zone offense is bad is, is, is uh, shooting and passing, right? They just don't have those skills in, in enough abundance to, to really to, to, to make it work out for them. But I'll play along with your with your um, questioning style, or you try to pin me down to one thing, and I'll give you an answer that probably won't be super um, popular. But like I think sometimes in in um, when I watch um, some zone offense, again I, I I know some of the things I say sound a little basketball sacrilegious or whatever, but like I sometimes think there's just too much player movement. Mm when when we're attacking the zone so mm -hmm. um that that's maybe maybe i'd use the word your 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 zone offense is too busy mm. let's put i'll put it that way yeah i like that yeah it but almost there, seems like there's some other things i thought on this question last night that i was like you know maybe that should be my answer but that, that'd be my if you, if I'm a, i'll play along with your with your question line of questioning and that would be my my one thing i totally agree i feel like sometimes coaches they try they almost overthink it or they there's like too much going on I and mean, the busy is a good, good, yeah, yeah, that, word for that. but like players are running the ball sometimes even moves so quickly. There's almost two extremes. Like it almost like never moves, moves and everybody's saying, pass the ball, pass, move the ball, move the ball. Right. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, the phrase. Yeah. Or it's the other way. And we're just like whipping the ball around without really accomplishing anything. Yeah. Um, so I think talking about those two things as you have planned would be, would be good. All right. So let's, let's start off then because you know, where does where does the zone offense where should it start? Um, and I think we actually kind of addressed this a couple of weeks ago. Um, space is kind of the overlapping principle. Yeah, I would say for me, I, I I don't like to say where it should. I'm not an authority on that. But like for me, where it started, same as man to man offense is alignment. Mm -hmm. So so when we when we come down the court, whether we want man, whether we're playing man or zone, we want to be in our desired alignment for that for that context for playing against that defense. So to me, um, you know, I, I think I talked about this when we talked about pace and space, the, the phases of a possession are construct, penetrate, execute. Those don't, that doesn't change against zone or man. So we want to construct and that's alignment. So that's, that'd be my answer. Yeah. yeah let me go ahead and pull this up for, yeah. for people. Oh, very simple. And this is something that's age old, but I feel like sometimes it's good as a refresher or, or something maybe even to share with your players because it may make sense to you, but your players, mm -hmm. they may not may not quite understand what it looks like. You, you kind of want to walk them through these four slides here. Yeah, so there's some, like I said, I, I would say my zone principles are really old-fashioned, but like, you know, some things don't go out of style, right? Like a, a, a well-fitted Navy suit, that that doesn't go out of style, right? Like like there's there are styles, there are fads in the, in the fashion world, but that's one thing that you'll always look good in if it fits right and, you know, it's tailored, you're going to look great no matter what era. So, so I think some of these things are timeless in a way. So um, yeah. So the first one you see in the top left corner would be our desired alignment with, with uh, against a two, three zone. Um, basically following an age old principle of if the zone presents an, an, uh, an even front, which they do here, X one and, and X two, that's two players up top an even number. We want to present an odd front. So um, in, in one of my coaching mentors down here in, in Texas, in, in typical Texas 
uh, style used to say, get where they ain't. <laughs> and, and that's really, uh, that's really kind of what we're doing with this principle is getting where they ain't. And, uh, and so, so it begins with me with, with getting in the proper alignment. So once we kind of get into these spots and, 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 uh, that you see here, we really don't change much about our alignment in that possession. Uh, the first, the top right one, I would say is a little bit redundant with the top left one. Um, I, I included it because some player, some coaches do tend to start two, two players behind the zone. And then when the ball is passed to one of the sides, you know, a player flashes and then it ends up looking like frame one. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I did want to include it because I don't really have a quarrel with that alignment either. Just, just know that when it's on the side, it's kind of the same thing. Um, <clears throat> the bottom two would be uh, an alignment I used. We call it dice because it looks kind of like five on a domino or on a dice. Um, it looks like the, the number five on when you're playing dice or dominoes. Um, so, um, that that's our alignment against an odd front zone. So you see a one, two, two on the left and a one, three, one on the right. I treated those kind of the same, um, with, with, uh, with again, following the principle of they present an odd front, we present an even front, get where they ain't right. You can see where the black dots are is where the defense isn't. So get where they ain't pardon my grammar, but, um, mm. but, um, yeah, I would say the, that's where it begins for me is this just, you know, like in football coaching, there's a there there's a, a a term or a phrase that you hear football coaches use all the time saying don't get beat by alignment. Like make sure we're lined up right so we're not susceptible to getting leverage blocked or or getting outflanked or something like that. So I would say don't start with the wrong alignment. I was working with a coach the other day that I mentor in my mentoring program. We were watching his video against an odd front zone, the one you see in frame three. And uh, we're watching part of a quarter and he's kind of not in what I would call what I personally alignment I would prefer. And he's kind of struggling and, and not great things are happening for his offense. And he's like, he goes, I know, I know, I know what you're about to say about halfway through the quarter here. Watch, I switched to this alignment and, and then as soon as he did that, there started to be good diagonal passes, good one more, good relay passes. And, and he made five or six shots in a row off of, off of, you know, playing diagonally against that odd front zone. So the alignment really does matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I'm communicating this to my players. I, as you're coaching them, uh, I'm, I teach right now a coaching basketball class and I've got some people in there who just haven't played that much mm -hmm. basketball. Um, and so I, I just simply say to them, like, get to an open window so yes. that you can, if, if, if all you can see is a player in front of you, because again, this is something that makes sense to us or the gaps on the floor make sense to us and it should make sense to sense to them, but you'd be, you probably wouldn't be surprised how many players are literally standing either right behind or right beside a defender. And they're yeah. thinking, and they think nothing of it. Um, well, so get to an, get to an open window. That sounds much more professorial than get where they ain't. So, so <laughs> I, I like that. So I may, I may, I may commandeer that language. All right. Sounds good. Um, Talk about the principle of, of distorting it, because once we align it, it's great to start in that spot. But then once we start moving and that will transition, transition us into player movement, and ball movement. Yeah. Sometimes when you hear me talk about zone, I talk about zone in the third person, like like the zone wants to, you know, like the zone wants to stay in its original form. That's what it's trying to do during the possession. 
They so like what I would do, I sometimes would watch a film with my players and and you know, we're in that point where maybe we're just bringing the ball up the court and the and the camera's on the defense and I pause and go, "Okay, what what defense is that?" And and everyone in the room, even even a novice, right, could go, "Okay, that's a 2-3 zone. I can clearly see that." And we'd let the frame play and like my goal would be to my players, "Okay, here after a couple passes and after a little bit of ball movement and 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 applying some of our principles, I'm going to pause this again, and I I want this thing to be unidentifiable. Like what what defense is it now? <laughs> you know, like I want it to be unidentifiable. So distortion would be would be um, using possession, using passing and positioning to to make the zone sort of uh, lose its shape, make a piece of the zone get where somewhere where they don't want to be a little bit higher than they'd like to be a little bit off center or something like that. Um, so um, getting where they're not, I'll clean up my grammar, uh, getting where they're not kind of helps accomplish that. Mm-hmm. So, so um, <clears throat> the principle of distortion would mean uh, like if, if, if this zone still looks like a two, three, five, six p- passes into our possession, we're, we're, we're we're busy but we're not accomplishing anything i want right. to make it lose its shape right um can can so can there as we s- attempt to distort the zone what are we trying to accomplish as far as our offense goes and then talking about player movement and appropriate player movement against the zone defense all right, so I'll tackle those one at a time. So with distortion, what simple answer to what we're trying to accomplish is just open up a pocket of space. Just, just kind of uh, o- open up a pocket of space that we can we can either already be in or or move a player into to exploit that distortion. Um, another thing I would say would be we're trying to maybe cause some confusion between those two pieces of the zone. Like, oh, I thought you had it. I thought you had it because we're we've moved players out of those cleanly defined areas of assignment that they prefer to stay in. Um, mm-hmm. What was the second question? Player movement? Uh, no, I mean, that, that was, that was primarily it. I, I okay. think that uh, we'll get to these eventually, but appropriate player movement as well going and I'm going to actually screen a zone. It's not necessarily just running to open space. So that could right. be another one um, screening the zone. Um, I'd like for us to eventually get to as well, like playing behind the zone and then moving to the appropriate place, like where that actually looks, uh, where that actually is going to. Um, Okay. So that's player movement and we'll come, we're putting all these together at the end here. Yeah. So with player movement, what I wanted to see, what, well, let me tell you what I see sometimes. And the reason why, again, it sounds kind of sacrilegious sometimes because coaches are sometimes feel really uncomfortable if their players aren't moving. That makes, they get all these weird things about like, I, I'm afraid people are going to think my team's lazy or, or whatever, you know, um, I, don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> so, so um, the, the, w- this is what I see a lot of times is like, maybe we're in, we're in that alignment versus two, three with the odd front and, and the three perimeter players are, are one of them passes off the top to a wing. The zone makes a slide according to that pass from top to wing. The, the guy who passed it cuts maybe through the zone and or through the middle of the, of the guards and back out, or maybe he just cuts toward that other wing and that, that wing comes to the top. And, and there's a little bit of maybe an exchange or something like that between the two players. 
Well, meanwhile, the guy with the ball and the zone has slid with the first pass. Meanwhile, the guy with the ball is waiting and holding the ball for you to, to pass it to the guy back up top. And, uh, and he's we're waiting for that fill or that interchange to take. Well, we're just putting another player where we already had one. So, so like that, that, that movement doesn't really accomplish anything. And I was watching film recently with a coach who was just insistent that, 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 that had to happen in his offense. And I was like, okay, watch the five defenders, watch their heads, watch their eyes, watch what happens when you pass it top to side, all hit all five heads turn and look at that ball They're They don't care about that. Like that doesn't even affect them. They care about where the ball is and that's going to position them. The pass moves them. And, and so just something simple as that, like we've got to wait, we've got to hold the ball to slide and we, and we pass it once and, the, and we pass it, move a guy, we hold it while the defense makes a slide. Well, they get to stay in that shape. Mm-hmm. Um, can there be, we talked about this at the beginning, but can there, can there be too much ball movement? And then on the flip side of that, what's the right type of ball movement? All right. So I'd say I do see this sometimes with zone where, where it looks like because the zone is compact, uh, the, the perimeter players typically against two, three, this happens where maybe point wing and wing are just pop, 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 pop. I call that trimming the edges, right? They're just, they're just passing the ball around top. So, and, and it's like, they're just doing a passing drill, you know, like, and, and none of them are, there's no really attention being paid to what effect the passing is having on, on the pieces of the zone. So I would say, yes, there could be too much ball movement in, in that. Is it, is it really accomplishing anything? So, um, um, yeah, I would say that, that just, just giving the ball exercise is not really, not really what we're after. All right. So then obviously the response to that would be is to penetrate the zone with the pass and yes. how to go about doing that. And we're showing it here on, on this fast draw slide. Yeah, there's here, one but, example. Yeah. There's one example, yeah. especially in so, frame frame one there. So one of the things that I often see is we come down the floor and we throw it one time and then we attempt to penetrate the zone with the dribble than, with the, with a dribble. Yeah. Or sometimes they'll either even pass down one side. So like one with the ball, will throw it down to three and then we try to throw it into five or, or it comes back up and then we try to throw it into five rather than rotating the ball to the opposite side and maybe loosening up the defense, a phrase that we've used before in here. Yeah. Um, or even going back one more time to the other side and then throwing it in. And it doesn't necessarily have to be straight into the five, which is, I believe, what you have diagrammed here, if you want to kind of talk through this a little bit. Yeah, so so two two big things that I wanted our players to understand, or, or really, let me start with one, was against zone, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't want coach, I didn't want to coach it at the fill in the blank or multiple choice question level of teaching. Right. I, we're, we're, I'm teaching the essay level, essay question level of teaching. So what I wanted our players to understand, what, number one thing is know who's guarding you and know where they came from. So I would like to be able to answer a player, pause it on film or, or during the timeout go, OK, when we pass it to you in the corner or we when you've got the ball on the wing, who's guarding you? Not, and don't tell me their jersey number like number 12. duh, Right. But like, don't tell me it's the forward. The forward's guarding me. The guard is guarding me. The center is guarding me. I want you to know who's guarding you and know where they came from because then we can now we can now, okay, now we got some intel. Okay, when we pass to the wing, 
the forward comes up and plays the wing. And, and now we got space behind the zone to, to overload it to the, you know, like, all right, thank you. You're giving me help here. Like know who's guarding, you know, where they came from. So like in frame one here <clears throat> would be an example of playing diagonally, a, a, a big time principle against odd front zones. Um, we want to, it's kind of really hard to trim the edges against these odd front zones because there's a player kind of between you and, and the next player over there's a player between one and four. Again, we would, we like them to be where they're not three in a row, but, but sometimes with good wingspan or active player, you know, that's, that's a little bit risky. So, so we want to, we, we tend to have to play diagonally. I think the odd front zones make you do that a little bit more than, than the even front zones play diagonally. So you see a diagonal skip from slot to corner. That kind of speeds up the slides of the zone. We skipped a player. We didn't trim an edge, and the zone can't slide one slide at a time. Now they got to make two slides. And, and we got to close out the play against when it hit X, X2's hands, right? So someone's running at them. Because of the skip, the ball speed, that, that, that's definitely um, possible that, we, that we're able to drive that player. But also what we did by passing like that is we move, we move X4 out so our positioning, which didn't really change much our, uh, for me, our, once we got our four basket-facing players in position, they didn't really move much. So uh, our positioning and then combined with our passing distorted the zone such that now it's going to end up looking like a 2-3. X4 is going to come out and close out on 2. I want 5 to dive right off the nail and try to beat X5, who's got to rotate over to the ball side. And we, I, I think the word you probably can't see it there is relay. We call that a relay pass where just it hits two's, two's hands and pop, just just almost like almost like in, in billiards. You bounce the ball off the rail to make it go in the hole in the pocket you want. You could tell I don't play pool, but uh, mm-hmm. but but yeah, so it's like I'm throwing it to two to get it to five. So mm-hmm. if I can't get you the ball, who can? That's another sound bite I would throw out there. If I can't get you the ball, who can? So we can't penetrate the pass one to five. I can play it off the rail to two two relay it into five diving off the nail before X five can cut over there. X three would have to drop. Now it looks like a two, three. Mm-hmm. So we've distorted the zone. So the positioning and passing created a pocket of space that we cut into. That's the kind of ball and player movement that I'm after is, is use our positioning, use our passing to manipulate the zone to where now we can cut into a void. One of the things that I also like that you have emphasized is something other than just straight cuts. Um, I run in a straight line behind the zone. I run diagonally to the ball. Um, And this slide shows that the use of player movement and ball movement through shallow cuts. And Mm -hmm. then also even potentially we can transition into talking about like screening the zone too, but uh, talking through the shallow cut, very simple, simple way to, to create some movement and to create, those top defenders, yeah. especially being worried about what's happening behind them, which can actually cause them to distort the zone. Um, Absolutely, and then to attack it that way too. So, if you want to, this so I spent the first time minute here talking big about how we don't move against the zone, and then now I'm showing some movement against the zone. But but I'll, let me try to draw a distinction there. Um, for me, if we're just passing, my basket facing players at least aren't really moving that much. They're, they're maybe making slight micro adjustments to stay in windows between pieces of the zone, a couple feet right or left or back or forward or something like that. But, but, but once we dribble at a player, then I do, I do want to move. Cause remember, we want to keep this shape. This is the desired alignment, odd front against an even front. 
So if I'm dribbled at, we run, we run, especially off the top, we call that a shallow. So you see in frame one, dribbling at two, he's going to shallow. I want him to sh cut shallow underneath the elbow and between the two guards to basically replace where player one was. So we dribble off the top. One's dribbling with their left hand at player two. He shallow cuts through the, through the, underneath the elbow back to the top. And we're going to play against the grain, another principle. So with the, z the zone is moving this way when we dribble. And then we throw back that way against the grain is another great principle playing against the grain. Um, so we move them with the dribble that way, throw that way, and that's going to draw X2 up, right? And then we just immediately immediately play it to the second side. Uh, that's going to, that ergo, because X2 was drawn up on that shallow cut, ergo the forward has to lift. And now we've expanded some space to either play to the shorter deep corner to, by lifting the forward. Another principle, lifting the forward is another one of my sound bites, especially against 2-3. Uh, that's our mission, man. Lift that forward. And if we've got short corner or deep corner range with our guy playing behind the zone, let's play. Let's get the ball into that space. Let but me go in, and pull. Let me go ahead and pull that one up too. This this one may help you kind of explain the lifting the forwards and then also the playing behind the zone as well. Yeah. So what you see in yellow there are what we call passing windows. So so if we're going to penetrate with the pass, those are, I wanted our players to be positioned in those passing windows relative to the uh to the two pieces of the zone in front of them and and think of pass ahead meaning like if 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 one passes to two two is already thinking before they catch not catch and evaluate evaluate then catch that that hey when i when, as soon as this ball touches my hand i'm not be able to relay it through my passing window into x into four into the high post if they'll kind of move their space so what you see a lot of times against zone, it's catch, put it over my head, evaluate, too late, too late. The zone makes it slide. They're doing their coverage. So I've got to be, I've got to evaluate before the catch, catch it, and trust my throw. Like that's quarterback coaching. Just see it, trust your throw. So um, playing behind the zone is a good, another good principle. One thing we said is I, I don't want all five of their defenders to be able to look at their rim, the one on the other end of the court, and see all five of us. So when, when the deepest man in the zone is looking at his rim back toward us, my, this end of the court, he can only see four of us, maybe three of us if we're two behind, right? Uh, but I don't want them to be able to see all five of us. So so there's what that does is it, it, makes, it makes X5 a little bit skittish. Sometimes they want to help if you're all five above the deepest man. They'll, they'll come on up and they maybe squeeze some of that space that you're trying to enter into the high post. They'll squeeze some of that space because there's no threat behind them. And when there's someone behind them, you'll see them kind of like looking over their shoulder like this, like, okay. Mm -hmm. And that makes them sink a little bit. And there we've got a little bit better, better pocket of space to enter it in through one of the windows to player four in the high post. All right. Let's, let's go ahead and do talk about like screening the zone and some of the techniques to use, um, not just randomly screening, but it could be a pattern that we use or where exactly to screen the zone in order to get effective offense. Any thoughts with that? Yes, yeah, screening to me is just another tool of distortion. So what we're trying to do when we screen a piece of the zone, we're trying to screen them so they can't cover who they want um, and um, someone else has to. So I use a little bit of flare screening against the zone. So we might dribble at if we're at the balls on the wing, say a two, three zone balls on the wing, guys on the top, 
the guy on the wing dribbles at the guy on the point, the other wing flare screens, one of the guards and we throw it and And now we've lifted the forward and we're back to where we were in that other frame. We've lifted the forward. We've caused some distortion. We've opened the space. So to me, I would just, if, if you're viewing screening against the zone, do it for distortion purposes, like, like mm-hmm. to, to seal a piece of the zone and make another piece have to come play the ball where they don't want to. And I'll put it another way. A lot of times we are just creating some, an outnumbered scenario. So yeah. two defenders guarding three or one defender guarding two, putting a guy on an Island, making him choose yep. whether or not he wants to take away the penetration or take away the pass. And no coaches love plays. Uh, this is one that went around the internet several times. We even have video of it. Oh, yeah. We'll show you in just a few seconds here, but um, not just screening like with a ball screen, although you can use a spread ball screen. So use a spread ball screen, overload a side, dribble to mm-hmm. that side, then you're going to end up with two guarding one, one guarding two on that side, but also screening um, with multiple players at multiple times. Um, this was one from the Jazz, and they used it. This was Quinn Snyder. This one was a little bit earlier this year, I think. But you have your two wings coming and screening on the inside, dribbling down the middle, and now you have basically you're putting X3. Is he going to guard the five or is he going to guard the two? So you'll have two, uh, one guarding two on that side. Uh, we have video of it. Let me pull it up here. It may not be the video may not look exactly like this, but but you'll see uh, the similarity. There's like a little pause at the beginning. Don't worry, it works. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So there's the two screens penetrate thrown to the player behind the zone. The thing I like about that particular play is it it make again, there's the principle of you if you if you look at the diagram again or even the video, there's a player behind the zone. And and when that guy's driving through that gap, the center is like, okay, do I go stop this guy from from shooting a you know a mid-range pull-up at the bottom of the dots there or or do I sink back and take away this lob? So he's kind of in a bind. So, so again, that player behind the zone makes some indecision between for that center of the zone there when he when we when we basically block for the guy penetrating with the dribble, um, the center has okay. Am I going to stop this jump shot right here in in the middle of the lane? By doing so, I give up the lob. If I sink on the lob, I give, I'm going to give up a, a, a stop and pop at the bottom of the dotted circle right there. Both of these are on the fast model play bank. You can download those or you can contact me and I can shoot those over to you. Yeah, uh, that here's video's another, on my YouTube page. So the video's on, on Randy's YouTube page. Uh, here's another one. I like screening the bottom inside of the zone uh, to give you a look for your for your big man. So this one, you actually have two screens here, um, but one passes over to four, or four throws it one more down, then go and screen the bottom outside. And so now you're mm-hmm. putting putting them on a decision making does uh, two guard two guard um, the four or the the two and then swing it over one and then screen with five the inside so have five just come up turn around seal and then four kind of over the top there and you have a a bucket where you have x4 now they have to decide do i want to guard three or do i want to guard four as they flash across the middle so just that principle of kind of outnumbering the zone yeah i like that one let me tell you why i like that one because i see so many i see so many and, and then even when I listen to myself, some of my answers when coaches ask me about, you know, some help with zone and stuff is uh, really three point shooting dependent. Right. Like I'm, I, my answer, you know, what I give them is a play or an idea that generally results in a, an, a, an open three. But but really, like. 
if you really want to piss off a zone coach, get some good twos, right? Yeah. Like if you get yeah. some good twos, like then that's when they're going to call timeout and be like, this, uh, this isn't working. You know, like yeah. this is, this is a good example of that. Like how, when you, when X five, when five cracks in on X five and you got four cutting through there, that could create a good two. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's when you see zone coaches get really big, man. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so follow zone hashtag zone offense tips on Twitter and you'll find a lot of the things that we talked about and then some additional things here. We're not finished yet simply because every time I get a zone offense tip, somebody always wants to talk junk defense. So we're going to just briefly talk oh, junk no. defense here. The, this is Randy's favorite topic. This is yes. our segment called Beyond the Scoreboard presented by Sideline Interactive. You may be wanting to increase your revenue for your program or improve the fan experience at your sporting events, or maybe it's just time to replace those scoreboards from the 1980s. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for scoring tables and video display boards for high school and colleges around the country. To find out more about Sideline Interactive, visit sidelineinteractive.com. All right, Randy, here it is. Here's our okay. one scenario here beyond the scoreboard talking about the whys, not just, oh, well, I'd do this and it would fix all the problems here. Your team is up 10 and your all-region player already has 15 points in the first half. Out of a timeout, your team comes out, and you see that the team is now that you're playing against is now facing or going against you in a box and one. What adjustments do you make? So they came out. They came out in a box of box and one. Box and one. On my on my best player. Best player. Man, I'm terrible at these. Um, here's something. Here's something that that the coaches never give me enough information when they ask when they ask me this. Um, I always get this sense like. Your one player is the only dude who can pass, dribble, and shoot. So now all your other players are incompetent and rendered useless the rest of the game. And I know that's not the case, but it feels sometimes like that's how they're treating it. And so it's like, what do we do to get our one guy back open again? Yeah. If that's the case, we've talked about that. Then you're just – you probably need to improve as a coach. I think there's two two ways to help the coach in that regard or or help your team in that regard. Is like, are you – is your is is the answer that Randy's about to give going to be something to get my player that they're and wanting, like that they're covering involved, or is it something to get shots for the ones that they're choosing to to not do that to? Um, I I I'm with you. Um, I'll just again, I know you want these to be punchy, so I would say my first adjustment would have to do with alignment, and that would be we're going to put three on the baseline. We're going to okay. outnumber them along the baseline with three three players that they're not face guarding, three of the non-face guarded players, and just sort of try to play with that outnumbering along the baseline. Can we can we stretch them to make them have to guard the deep corner? With it, you know, hopefully I've got another player that can at least look like he or she might make a shot from the deep corner, right? And uh, so three along the baseline. I know you like these to be shorty and punchy, so there's my answer. I'm gonna I'm definitely putting three along the baseline. I will have some coaches that say they just continue to run their zone offense, and I think that does kind of assume that the rest of your players can still play as well. Um, instead of just totally focusing in on your one player, then you're kind of just playing into their hands. But um, So I'll attempt to help here. Okay. These are the ones that as soon as a coach asks me about this, I just go straight to these, um, and I'll just send them these three. Sometimes you know, maybe a, more of a quick hitter, but other times, um, you know, again, that idea of trying to outnumber certain defenders on the floor and so four flashing to the middle the the 
it's kind of yeah. your principle because I'm getting two, three on the baseline. Yeah, um, and also you're distorting. You're making X4. They want to guard blocks and elbows. You're making right. somebody have to – you're distorting that. And, right. and cutting behind into that space that you that through that that you manipulated through distortion. So I've got my two is my my person being boxing one there, and then you have, like we said, you're distorting it by putting three behind the zone. Here's the second one that that I'll do. So again, two is your player that that's being uh, manned up there, but throwing down, um, going flashing with your three behind the zone is always a great principle. So you're occupying the X four who usually would take away that, that middle flash there with mm -hmm. the four. And so when three cuts to the middle five, throw it to three, I would assume that X four would jump up and then you have the kind of a little dump off pocket pass mm -hmm. down to the, to the four on the baseline. So there's another one there. And then the third one I have here, um, if you're point guard, you can put your oh, primary. Like this primary defense or primary um, person player up at the top there, screen the outside of the zone, send those guys down the side and you'll have wide open shots in the corner. I'm not like sure I'd go to that like repeatedly <laughs> unless you're a phenomenal three point shooting team. Um, but at least an option. Yeah, so, so all three of your answers, some coaches don't like because mm -hmm. they, they all ask someone else other than their player to make a play. So what I always try to be as a, as, as, as a, counselor to coaches is like, I don't fix problems. Let's fix the problem that caused the problem. Why, why are we, why would anyone look at your team and go boxing one's a good idea against these guys? Right. Right. Like I, that's what I'm, uh, but that doesn't help me in the moment. Right. Like that's right. more of like a long-term answer. So I get that. Right. I'm, I get why that's not the best. That's like, who's this guy? Like, I mean, he didn't, he didn't help me solve my problem. <laughs> Scroll past him. Right. Like he, yeah, I, I get that. Um, but that's why Randy and I right now are the perfect uh, yin and yang. Randy will tell you, you need to get better in the long run. I'll just throw a band aid over it for the time. There you so go. That's what need I need, man. If you need a band aid, just shoot me. No, a, like, I like all of those. Yeah, those were good. Those were good. And so I shoot would me never an email and I can time to, to do it. But that's, yeah, I can, that's I can a good send point. those, share those with anybody. So if you need those, uh, just, just reach out and I can, I'm more than happy to send those to you. So for Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Form.